0: Welcome to Silken Slopes Live. We're joined by Tammy Stagel, who's the founder and CEO of Ruby Snap Fresh Cookies. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, we'll all be better after this because you brought cookies. True. And uh, we'll see who gets uh, the entire box. We've got some interns coming. So.
1: Whoever has the best arm wrestle game.
0: There it is. All right. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, let's just jump in with the the founding story. Um, where did this idea come from? You just mentioned before we ju- jumped on air that you're chasing your dream. So give us the history of it.
1: So I started out as an architectural designer. I was a really avid cyclist at the time. I do love the outdoors. I love to wake surf and cycle. And tonight I'm going to play kickball. And I when I want to put something in my body I want to make sure that I feel good afterwards and I do love treats but I don't like treats that make me feel bad so I started experimenting with fruits and vegetables and clean nut butters and pure chocolates and vanilla beans and and all things real ingredients that created real flavor and that's how it started for me and um, in after 9-11 we actually started in 2008 in a really bad economy so um, 2020 was a little bit familiar to us, <laughs> but that's how I began is just creating recipes for me that I liked, which are typically really peculiar. Cause I like to, um, experiment with, you know, extreme ideas. So that's how I began.
0: Awesome. And, um, you took a risk. Obviously you had a steady, mm-hmm. good job as a architect designer, um, mm-hmm. Just like every other entrepreneur, you have to make that leap. What were some of the the fun parts of, of taking that leap, and what were some of the things you just did not anticipate being so not fun?
1: Well, I think for me it's fun to take these comfort zone vacations and step out of what's comfortable and always push the boundaries. And I kind of say that to my staff. It's time to get uncomfortable. It's time to keep growing. And so I really liked the idea of doing something I hadn't done before. There's always going to be a lot of learning curves, and I really appreciated not knowing everything. Otherwise, I might not have done it. I might have chickened out. Uh, But you're always in a learning curve. You're never not learning. And if you aren't learning, you're not growing.
0: Yeah. Um, All right, so you guys have a really cool brand, great designs, um, social medias. Uh, I won't say easy, but it might be easier with cookies versus like software or Uh something. Um, And uh, there's also like a World War II kind of theme associated with that and the brand. What's the, the story behind that?
1: The story behind the World War II theme is I just wanted to celebrate yesteryear when real ingredients were real and we weren't using shortening and artificial ingredients yet. We were still kind of homesteading. We still went out and got what was fresh from the day. So we do use a lot of like root vegetables that we roast. and. Um, like a beat reduction, for example, to color things pink, or we try to keep everything clean. And it was just my ode to yesteryear. It was my ode to the greatest generation. And I just want to be great. I want to be great at what I did. I want to be great like the greatest generation. So that's why I picked the World War II theme.
0: Yeah, I love it. And, uh, you know, my grandparents were all in World War II. And uh, so I got 30 years. Or so of their food and cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've passed some of that on to like my mother, but uh, it definitely tasted better.
1: Yeah, I always kind of daydream too about I should have been a farmer's daughter in the 50s or something. <laughs> like I just, I like that connection to fresh.
0: Yeah. So that's kind of a, a really cool design and story behind that. And then you have a slogan You know, you want my cookies. Yes. Strong <laughs> slogan. Um, <laughs> And I don't think very many people would say, yeah, actually, I don't, because they're very good. Uh, what's the, the story behind that, and how do you kind of leverage that slogan?
1: Well, again, I try to, like, point all things to the fact that we're fresh, because that's what really sets us apart from other cookie bakeries that have come along since we were founded. And... um you know you want our cookies because real in- real ingredients taste really good, and that 's how we deliver flavor we don 't do it through anything artificial and um, we they 're so we create the wow factor and that 's why you want our cookies because we love when people come in and they 're first timers and we give before COVID unlimited samples and they would take a bite and they'd be like, wow, they just don't expect what's coming. And that's how we developed our slogan.
0: Got it. All right. So for folks that haven't been to your location, it's in Salt Lake city, right? Correct. And, uh, to do that, you've got to, um, have a kitchen. Yes. Have a staff, or just you work twenty four seven you need some signs and all of this stuff right? right the the basic blocking and tackling. do you remember um, kind of your first customers or maybe your first bigger customer that was a re you know they they're, they're buying a lot of cookies, and how did that feel when all that work was actually actually resulting in sales?
1: It was really exciting because in the beginning, I was the baker, the cashier, the decorator, the dough maker, everything. And um, I remember in the very beginning, I thought if I could just make three hundred dollars a day, I'd be rich. You know, just that idea back in two thousand eight. And I remember our first big order was with McCann International, and it was for three hundred and fifty um, dozen. And then our next big order was like two thousand with um, New Skin, and then. Our next bigger order was 10,000 dozen with Cox Automotive. And with each time, we learned what our capabilities were, and it was really exciting. And so we know that we can do it. We know that we can do it well, and that's kind of become our specialty now from the beginning to today is those corporate custom special orders that are just sort of a show-off for us.
0: Yeah, and it works really well. So that's interesting because you've got people that wander in and buy one or two cookies, but then at some point you got a huge order, several hundred Mm -hmm. cookies. And we were talking beforehand, you you have to be good at fractions and and math to do that. So when that first big order came, was it kind of a a surprise or did you kind of know it was coming and were you ready from an actual kitchen standpoint to do it?
1: Yeah, we're always ready. Um, We have a production kitchen that is, we've eventually moved off-site. It's across the alley in a building next door. And our, our bakery orders what they need that day. It's produced and we deliver it fresh. And then for the bigger orders, you know, I do everything in kilograms and in Excel spreadsheets, and I can scale to size as needed. And we can produce about 500 dozen an hour when we do have those bigger
0: orders. So the cookie monster would really like <laughs> hanging out there. Um, dumb joke. All right. It's paradise. So, yeah. So um, in addition to all this, you're, you're a mother of seven. Yep. Um, and uh, that would be busy in any normal life. And you've coupled that with being an entrepreneur of a scaling, growing business. How do you manage that?
1: Well, it's, it's really important to have balance and self-care and i was really good at it for a lot of years and i had a kind of a a no phone zone that when i went home that it was a no phone zone i just quit working and i dedicated all of my time to my family and uh but it's also every once in a while i get off balance and i become a workaholic and i have to remember to pull in the reins and you know, get on my bike, get out and cycle. Um, and I was getting a little off track in 2020, just trying to always stay ahead of the innovative curve to keep people interested in Ruby Snap. And, um, so I have to do things that make me get out, sign up for a ride, sign up for a kickball team, go to Pilates, pay for something and go do it. <laughs> and that's how I keep my balance.
0: That's great. And, uh, easier said than done. Um, How many, uh, how many cookies do you, do you currently have on, on the menu? Do you know
1: on the menu? We have 20 all day, every day. And then we have two specials that we introduce each month. This month we have a coconut carrot curry and a black rice, lemongrass, and then, during 2020 we introduced Whoopie Pie Fridays just to have something new and fun to give people an excuse to get out and come see us and not be afraid of the world. Um, So that's new, um, so that gives us 23 cookies every single month on a rotation schedule. But all in all, I don't even know how many cookies we have. Probably about 90 recipes now.
0: Wow, all right, so How do you and your team decide on which ones make the cut and end up on the menu Um, Uh and which ones do you kind of just let drift off into the sunset because they weren't successful?
1: Um, I think not successful is a relative term. Sometimes we have just that cult following cookie. Um, One of them right now is uh, sachi it's a sesame tahini and it's not a huge seller but i love it so it's important to me so i keep it there for the cult followers um, we also have a chili the arbo cookie it's a spicy cocoa kind of a mole style cookie that that i've left in the case for a lot of years and every once in a while we'll get a big giant wedding order for a crazy cookie but um, usually i decide and i I do it because this is my dream journey, and so I feel like if I do something that's important to me, there's a whole ton of other me's out in the world that are going to also like it. Yeah.
0: And so you've mentioned a lot of interesting ingredients that a lot of people probably wouldn't couple together. What's the process of uh, coming up with recipes, and is that you as well?
1: Yes. I, that's my true love is the recipe development. And so usually it might be an inspiration of a place that I've been. So the coconut carrot curry was inspired by a dish that I had while I was visiting Bali, picking up some vanilla beans. It's called nasi champur and it's a tempeh dish with sambals. It has nothing to do with coconut carrot curry, (laughs) but, um, it, that was my inspiration. Um, one day I was getting a massage and they used some oil and it, it inspired me to make a tangerine cream, which I'm going to be doing a tangerine cream whoopee next month. Um, it could be anything.
0: Yeah, It sounds like it. Um, so what's your favorite cookie of all time?
1: Well, they're all created for me, so I <laughs> truly love them all. Um, there's only maybe two or three that I I'm not in love with, but... But I created them for the public, and the public loves them. So Um, my all-time favorite, it's too hard to say.
0: What is the all-time favorite of the uh, balance sheet? Which ones sell the best?
1: (laughs) You won't believe it. But um, in grocery stores, we make a a series of pre-portioned frozen bake-at-home cookie dough. Our A number one seller... Four to one year after year is our basic chocolate chip
0: cookie. I would believe that. So, that's kind of my favorite.
1: And I'm always like, what? <laughs> There's so much out there that, why would you go straight to chocolate chip when you can have a lime dough with a cheesecake center topped off with a lime curd yes. or a fresh grapefruit cookie or.
0: Probably because most people aren't as innovative and imaginative as you, would be my guess.
1: They're a little bit chicken, that's why we give the unlimited samples.
0: Yeah. And then mine's probably like, I like chocolate chip cookies, just probably for the nostalgia and it's hardwired would be my guess, but all these other cookies sound great too. All right. So you kind of hit on a little bit of, uh, growing the business, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got, um, the frozen dough in a lot of supermarkets. Yes. So people can, uh, grab that and then do it at home. Uh, that's probably a pretty big, um, revenue stream for you. Um, how did you know when it was time to scale into these new verticals?
1: Well, my original model was the frozen cookie dough because I was always a working professional and a busy mom. And I wanted to be able to come home and bake cookies quickly. So whenever I had time to make cookies, I would make big batches, freeze them. And then I could if I had a bunco club or anything a book club or something I could just bake them and they'd be ready so that was my original model but I realized quickly that people to have consumer confidence needed to sample them so I I sampled them and quickly we became a bakery and the bakery portion became more popular initially so the scaling has been easy for me and I don't know if it's because it's the methodical side of my brain in terms of the way I think and how I just mechanically work it exponentially. So the scaling kind of came a little bit naturally to me. Did you have more, a more, a different idea about that question? No. Though? Yeah,
0: that answers it. So, um, what's the process like to, as you interact with a big supermarket chain, mm-hmm. uh, cause it's like, shelf space is, you know, I don't yeah. know how to grade a down here is not as great. Right, yeah. Um, do, do you handle those negotiations? Do you have someone else on your team that does like the biz dev side? How did that all work for you?
1: Well, um, yeah, I like to be really hands on and really stay involved in just about everything. So just about every decision starts with me or passes through me. And, um, I did develop all of our relations with Harman's Grocery. And they are a like-minded company. And we have the same cultural fit with our customers. And so we treat each other really exceptional. So our relationship there and our space in their doors has been just phenomenal. We have an in cap in every store. And we also have two anywhere from three to five shelves in the ice cream aisle. Um, as we expand outside of Utah, then you typically you have to have a distributor in place. You have to have a broker in place. Uh, it's not often that you can just go direct you to the grocer. So you have to have a broker in place. And you have to know that's when it becomes trickier as a as a CEO in understanding your numbers and the way that they work because there's a 30% fee here, a 30% fee here, a 5% fee here. And then before you know it, your cookies are $10.99 a bag. So, but that's reality, and distribution is reality as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. For a cook, for I guess uh, Ruby Snap cookies to end up in a supermarket in New York, that you're going to get nickel and dimed along the way, right?
1: Yep. Everybody yeah. has to make a living.
0: Yep. Um, all right. So, very innovative. Um, just like every good company needs to be. And you mentioned, you know, there's competitors uh, that didn't used to exist that exist now. Yep. Um, as you forecast the future, how do you and your team look at that? Is it is it a year? Is its is it three years? How do you guys stay ahead of the curve and keep innovating?
1: So we keep in mind that we have to do what's important to us, what's important to our internal culture, what's important to our brand standards, what's important to our company, and what's important to our cultural fit. And all of those play a really important factor. And We want to be Ruby Snap. We don't want to be like someone else. And so we kind of put our blinders on to the outside pressure of what other people are doing. And people will say, well, don't you want to grow like them? And I'm like, no, I want to grow like us. and Which is really thoughtful. So when we pick a grocer, it's going to be a high-end, fine grocer, somebody who cares about what they're purchasing. They want quality over quantity, and they're not coupon shoppers, and they they are looking for that unique, better experience. So we think of those factors. Um, and we just stay true to our story, and we don't ever try to play that silly game of, who's better than who because we just want to be better than ourselves every day and that's how we approach our, uh, our forecast planning and um, also we want to maintain a lifestyle kind of company so we don't want to grow so fast that we lose our sense of self and our sense of family and our sense of balance and so we put all those factors into the way that we plan the future.
0: Yeah. And and we
1: put it up for a team vote in management meetings to make sure that everybody's on board because if somebody's not on board, you're not going to have a successful journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very, very critical or they'll just be a dead anchor and you'll wonder why it's not working and it'll be that person. That's not helpful. Um, So as far as the commodity prices, right? We were talking about this a little bit Mm -hmm. before. Um, What are some of the, the outside factors that have impacted your business over the years and how do you kind of mitigate those?
1: Yeah, um, well, there's a lot of things we're having trouble with. I can't go to Bali and bring vanilla beans, so what do I do? I have to get vanilla beans local in 2020. And um, things like dairy is always up and down. Um, Things like disease to plants that affect peanut butter and there's always in agriculture you can purchase agriculture futures and you can secure a good price right now but with what we do we can't we don't know what we're going to be doing in the future sometimes but we do um we will purchase things by the pallet but we have those pallets coming fresh all the time and um as far as there's always Factors of economy, like gas prices go up, so surcharges go up and delivery fees go up, and everything goes up. And we've tried really hard to hold a, a, a palatable pricing standard amongst all of those increases, while still maintaining a good profit margin. And it's just—it's just always a fine balance.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the Excel spreadsheets are working overtime, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, so. A little tidbit of advice for uh, prospective entrepreneurs, um, whether it's you know a bakery, food and beverage, restaurant, or any entrepreneurial journey, what are one or two th- kind of critical things that you could, with 100% confidence, pass on to the, the next generation?
1: If you're not willing to wait to take a risk, you're not ready to be an entrepreneur. And because every day is a risk, no matter what. I'm 13 years in; every day is still a risk. And if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to fail, you're not ready to be an entrepreneur. Um, If you're not willing to put in what it takes, I mean, you have to love it. It better be your passion because I put in a lot of long hours, but I do it willingly and happily. And I don't expect that of every employee, but I do expect it of myself. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, those are the things you have to be willing to do.
0: Yeah, that's good advice. All right, so the best way to eat Ruby Snap cookie is it with ice cream? Is it with milk? Is it by itself? What do you prefer?
1: Well, all of the above. It's really fun to cook them fresh at home and have them hot cookie all the mode. Um, But any way you eat them, they're amazing.
0: (laughs) I agree. Well, very cool. Um, It's fun to have uh, different types of companies up here on stage telling their story. it's a fantastic story. If there's people out there that would like to, to buy bulk for events or for mm-hmm. uh, their employees, what's the best way for them to get in contact?
1: Uh, you could reach out to HeyRuby at rubysnap.com.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join us here today, and I thank you for bringing cookies.
1: You bet. Enjoy.
0: We will.